Welcome back to the No Clue Podcast, episode 105. We have returned. We have returned. The NBA has also returned. Right. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Mike. I'm Tyler. Welcome. You want to get right into it? Yeah. Oh, I feel so good to talk basketball. I know, man. I, I was tired of reaching for things to talk about. Now we finally have, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which games do you want to start with? So, let's start with, uh, like, how the format has looked so far. Okay. And you mean, like, where they're playing and stuff? Just kind of, yeah, just what the bubble's looking like now that we have a good sample size of what it's going to be moving forward. I like it. Uh, I like yeah, it. things you like, things you don't like. Um, I, I actually really like the, um, <laughs> I really like the virtual fan thing. I know I'm probably uh, one of the few. Yeah. But I, I like being able to... I like the, just seeing the faces up there, even if it wasn't real people. Like, it's just weird when they have... um, Like, if they just have, like, the team logo up there, that makes it seem so, like, Summer League-ish. Yes. The virtual fans, while it looked really weird to me, like, the last two days, yeah. uh, I like that it makes it... It still feels like a like a crowded game, right? Exactly. To yeah. look, like not obviously not like the real thing, but it simulates it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the camera work with the um, rail cam or whatever. Yeah, I like the angles that that gets. Um, I know they were. This is kind of them testing it out, but I do like that it covers the court when they show the replays because this doesn't. They don't use it for the main camera but when they show the replays you get angles that you probably wouldn't have gotten before which i like um, yeah see what, what else something that made me laugh was uh the all the guys that have been fishing kind of got exposed the other day why uh apparently they've been like putting extra fish in their lake that's in there <laughs> oh yeah so like they've they've all been catching hella fish but apparently it's like they designed it for for that yeah, well, that was pretty yeah. funny. I, I noticed a lot of tans. Right, really. Zach Collins. <laughs> They're enjoying their time over there. At least it Kyle, seems like Kyle Corver's a little dark. Uh, I I think it's cool that they get to play other sports. Like you know, I saw them playing volleyball, and obviously guys are golfing and stuff like that. I think that's pretty cool to see them doing it often. Because I, th- I feel yeah. like teammates. I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like teammates don't do that as much as they do now. Like, normally, like, guys will go golfing with someone from another team. But I've seen more teammate-to-teammate camaraderie yeah. recently. So I thought that was pretty cool. What about you? What have you 
I liked I liked how Dame was at the the I think the first game on Thursday or maybe the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have just been there for both of them, but that like that's something they couldn't do before. Yeah. Where it really feels like almost like a NCAA tournament where you're just kind of watching the teams that play before you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that too. That is cool. It's kind of weird. The one thing that's kind of weird to me is like how some people are talking with masks on TV and other people are not. Yeah, I, I what I heard them say was as if you're talking to a player, you have to wear a mask. But if you, um, like the announcers and stuff, they have the plexiglass yeah. in between. That's only because they can leave the bubble. If you can leave the bubble, you have to be, like, either with a mask or within glass. Yeah, like isolated from the official bubble people. Yeah, but if you're in the bubble, you don't have to have a mask. So yeah. I guess the few people, reporters and stuff who aren't wearing masks is because they're also in the bubble, so they're... I guess, you know, a part of it, yeah. I guess. But um, that it is weird to see them talking to each other with masks, and it's weird to see even the guys, like, uh, <laughs> I thought at first they said they were going to try to get them to stop with, like, high-fiving and stuff. <laughs> but, like, these guys who were just coming back from COVID, high-fiving everybody with their masks on and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like Bledsoe last night was <laughs> hugging and high five, high fiving right after the game. He's just he's not playing because he had COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird, man. I, it's hard to see this keeping up, like you said. But I'm happy that it's, it's going well so far. They did an amazing job of figuring it out, figuring out a way for them to do it. I really think. Um, I was I don't thinking know if any of the league could do it like this. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, like, Adam Silver has been considered probably a top-tier commissioner. Yeah. Uh, this is a situation that if they play it out and it's as lit as it's been these first couple days, Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something that's going to, like, he's going to be remembered for. Yeah, I, I think just this much. He's already taken a step ahead of... You know, if he was in second, he's in first now to me. Just the fact yeah. that they did this. Yeah, he was the first to react. He's been the NBA has been the most like coordinated with their return. Yeah. I mean, w- watching the two games the last couple days, the games the last couple days, yeah. and watching what's happening in baseball right now. It's a big difference. Yeah, it blew my mind. I'm like, two professional sports, and they couldn't be more different. And the crazy thing is, baseball isn't a contact sport at all. Right. You never have to touch anyone in baseball. Right. Um, And it's crazy that they can't, you know, get that together. Um, The WNBA also has been really, really, really good uh, with the bubble as well. And they're in uh, Bradenton at IMG. And they... um, their games have been good. No one's been sick. I mean, a lot of women didn't come, but the um, but the games that have been going, I mean, the teams look great. Everyone's safe, and it's just it's like a mirror of the NBA. The same thing. Yeah. So, literally, literally, as we're going right now, the Cardinals have even more players tested positive. It's crazy. It's crazy. Man. Well, <laughs> hopefully they make some changes. 
Yeah. Or, you know, or don't. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Uh, Let's get into these games, man. There's there's a lot to, to digest here. Uh, you want to go in chronological order? or? Yeah, you, I think that, that works. Well, Jazz and um, Pelicans? Are Jazz right? and Pelicans. Yeah. It's weird. Like, normally I wouldn't gauge too much from teams... Uh, but because they have like seven games left until they're in the playoffs, like the, a lot of these teams are the, exactly the way they're going to look in a couple weeks. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than the, the guys who just aren't there yet. Right. Yeah. What team do you want to start with? Let's go Pelicans first. All right. What'd you like? What, what didn't you like? Um, I like that they're embracing their, uh, their youth and their balance as a team. I I think that's really important for them because I think they realize that everyone, well, not everyone, but they realize they have a lot of weapons on the team and maybe not, maybe weapons isn't the right word. They have a lot of good pieces. Capable players. Yeah, they do. Everyone on the team is capable and they let everyone shine just enough that they come with a complete good game more often than they used to. And I'm not saying they do it every time, but beginning of this season, they were really bad at it. And now I'm seeing better. Maybe it's the rotations. Yeah. Um, I I thought Hart could have played a little more in that first game, but what he did do in there, he played great. Ingram looked great. I mean, I thought everyone looked really good, and um, Zion really didn't. Obviously, he didn't play that much, but yeah, it, it was interesting, like how they had a balanced game, but they also played through Ingram for like large portions of the game. Yeah, I think they're one of those teams that whoever is hot, they're gonna let keep going. Yeah, and it, that's a good team, and they look like a complete team. All their players have a, you know, they have a solid second string for each player yeah honestly the only negative for me with them is they get into shootouts oh yeah for sure and like it's weird because it seems like they're playing good defense (laughs) yeah and they're like they have a lot of energy their offense usually looks good Mm -hmm. but then it's like it's a close game or they get a big lead and then they blow it or they come back from a big deficit, and then go down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like, I guess it just comes along with young players, but they've been inconsistent kind of all year. And, and that game, playing Utah, which they should have spanked them, honestly. Yeah. The, the fact that they lost is, I mean, watching the game, it, it was hard to tell that the Pelicans lost. I agree, yeah. The, the other thing is... um. I don't see, they're very complete, but I don't see a lot of leadership from anybody on the team. Like, I, I know, I assume Drew Holiday is the leader. I assume Ingram is a leader on there, but I don't see it, really. Like, there's some leaders, you can see it, you watch the game, like, oh, yeah, he's leading this team. I don't really see that from them sometimes. And some And when they have those moments when they're you know just going back and forth and not playing hard defense i attribute it to that sometimes not every time because um 
sometimes they you know you just have to be in a shootout but for them to do it so consistently i think is a lack of leadership on somebody's part yeah it, it's weird like holiday sometimes doesn't lead with his play Mm-hmm. while Ingram seems to never really lead with anything but his play. Right. So it's like there's not a balance of kind of both of those things from both of those guys. Somebody has to be both at one point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jazz? You know, the Jazz, like, I've I've been concerned for them all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, missing Bogdanovich is really bad for them. Yeah. Uh, but man, has their off shouldn't be. Why has their offense been so bad the last like three years? I don't know. It's been the same thing. They're a premier defensive team who struggles to score the ball for stretches. Yeah. And like and they have good scores. <laughs> With with Conley getting that extra playmaker, I thought would solve the problem. And and that means it's the offense. But and it's gotten worse. No, I I know it has, but I'm saying that means it's the offense, the set they're running. Yeah. Because if you have a playmaker and he doesn't change anything, then you're not running a good offense. That's I mean, that has to be what it comes down to at that point. For them, and um, you know, missing Bogdanovich hurts them way more than it should. I mean, he's good; he's really good, but he's not good enough for your whole team to for them to be like night him. and day without him. Right, because he's really like a seventh man on a right. lot of teams. Right, he's not really a starter caliber. I mean, he can start, but he's not a starter to me. Um, so yeah, it is weird that missing him puts them all out of whack, but when he's there, they still have the same, a lot of issues. And I don't like the, I think their other problem is they try to be versatile, even though they don't, their players aren't versatile players. Like Ingles and Bogdanovich are not power forwards. They can't pretend to be power forwards or Royce O'Neal. I know he likes to play them at power forward, but they're not power forwards at all. Yeah, and it's weird because they have, like, sometimes they try to play so freely and yeah. guys are forced to, like, be playmakers when they're really not. <laughs> right. Sometimes they'll have all shooting guards in the game and think, like, they're going to run a good offense. It doesn't make any sense. No. Clarkson, Mitchell, and uh, Moutier and um, Ingles is not a good lineup in the game. Dude, without all... without Clarkson, they would have they would have gotten ran off the floor Thursday. Absolutely. And, and like Mitchell to an extent, and Clarkson to a, le- a lesser extent, they hide their problems. Yeah. Because sometimes they'll have like trash possessions, but Jordan Clarkson got it going, so they're scoring points. Yeah, or Mitchell does something spectacular, <clears throat> so you forget that right. all the trash is happening. Right. But the uh, weird thing to me is, and I've noticed this with a lot of NBA teams, by default, a lot of teams like to fall back into four guys spread out, and the big man runs around and sets a pick and roll. Mm-hmm. When, when guys got it going, or you play like the Rockets, I understand. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
But when you're struggling to score the ball, and all you're doing is everybody spread out, go bear, go set screens for people. Mm-hmm. Like, they were running that in the third quarter for extended possessions, and they were continuously getting bad shots. Yeah. And I'm like, like I've seen you guys run sets. If anything, you should be running more sets because you're struggling to get good shots. Right. And instead, Gobert is just setting screens for everybody. And, and like, some of those guys don't even know how to play pick and roll. Right. And, and the other thing is, Gobert isn't an offensive threat at all. No. And his 15 points off of lobs and cleanups, like, he has n- no offensive game. He misses two lobs a game. Right. I've noticed, at least. And he... um. So his him not being an offensive threat, I mean, you foul him and you're good. He's a terrible free throw shooter. He has right. no jumper at all, short range, mid range, anything. So the pick and roll becomes less dangerous when you don't have to guard the roll. As long as someone's on help side to foul him, you're good. And, and um, yeah, it it just it just doesn't work. It doesn't work with Gobert in that role, to me. Um, I honestly like I don't know what their like the fix is for them. And and me and you talked about this during the game. It just doesn't make sense that it's so hard to get shooters and scorers open. Yes, the team is just full of streaky shooters. Yes, the whole team, everyone on the team is a streaky shooter. But they have to be open sometimes to get shots, and their offense doesn't get anyone open. Not a soul. It, so that's where you got you have to have the spectacular scorers like Clarkson and Mitchell to yeah. get something out of nothing because they're not going to get open shots at all. And they're, and for the most part, they're a slow team too. Moutier and Conley are fast, but really no one else on the team is like a speedster. I don't know, man. Like it, it seems like guys can't find a balance from moving the ball and being aggressive. Because Conley would disappear for, you know, eight minutes, and then he was taking every shot for, like, three minutes. <laughs> like, why is that happening? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, and Royce O'Neal thinks he could take any shot he wants, apparently. Yeah. Like, since when are, like, eighth, ninth guys allowed to take transition threes? <laughs> Right. Like I give Marcus Smart a pass because he's the best defender on the floor any any night. And his his hot is hotter than most bench players. Right. If he's but, hot, he he goes crazy from the guys are out there and like they think they they got a layup, so next possession they're open in transition. They're just gonna rise up. Yeah. Like it makes it blows my mind and then they're struggling to score for extended time. And it's obvious why, because guys are taking bad shots. And this is another thing I've noticed in them, and I've I stress this on the podcast a lot. They don't have roles at all. No, no. Ingles, Bogdanovich, Mitchell, Royce O'Neal play like they're equals, and they're not. They all play the they all do the exact same thing in the offense for some reason, and they shouldn't be. No other, none of the, no championship team is built that way. None of them. Yeah. Not even the Warriors, obviously. I mean, it's just, 
it just looks it looks bad and it doesn't translate to winning. They have to really be out of control, uh, spectacular for them to win, and that's yeah. not gonna win in the playoffs. And I hate to keep like I hate to keep hating on Conley, but why he like they signed Conley as like a true point guard now Mitchell's the two. Why is Mitchell looking like the primary playmaker from like the whole game? Yeah, I don't know. Like Conley was supposed my whole thing with Conley was he's coming in to take some of that away from Mitchell. Right. So Mitchell can be more aggressive and focused on scoring. Right. But I don't know, man. I I just don't see what the fix is for this team. I thought I thought it was like certain pieces that they need, but even when they got the certain pieces, like it hasn't worked. I think they need a new center and a new coach. If they if they get spanked in the first round, Quinn Snyder gotta go. Yeah, I agree. Because this team has been like a good regular season team for way too long now. And they should trade Gobert now while they can. Because, you know, two-time defensive player of the year, cool. I don't think Gobert is going to be good on any other team. I think he's one of those guys that once he switches teams, his career is over. I mean, that's how he seems to me. And they can get a lot for him. He's he's hot right now. Three good seasons, cool. I mean, they need, they need a power forward. They don't have a power forward on the whole roster. No. Not any. So, I mean, that would help to start. And then a power forward and a center, and they could have a new whole new team, play a different offense with a new coach. Yeah. Because the four guards and a, you know, slew foot center is not going to win championships. But, all right. Shout out to the Jazz. They're probably the team I'm most concerned about in the West. Yeah, me too. Me too. For sure. It's not even a question for me. Um, Lakers Clippers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Uh, well, this was this was the game that I first noticed uh, the time off. Okay. Because the first game, like, two teams kind of played to who they are. Yeah. Uh, but this, the... The L.A. battle, very messy. Mm-hmm. Very messy. So, the first two teams only were missing Bogdanovich, right? And the Pelicans weren't missing anybody. Uh, nobody right. like Key that I could think of. Oh, they didn't have Favors? No, Favors played. Oh, then, yeah, I don't think they missed think, anybody. Yeah, they might have had everybody. Yeah, now both these teams, the Lakers and Clippers, are missing a lot of players. Key role guys. Obviously, the Clippers are missing like their whole bench firepower. <laughs> right. Uh, and it showed. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> where do you want to start with this game? There's a lot, a lot to get into with this one too. Yeah, you pick. I'm, I'm going where you going. <sighs> you know, something interesting to me that I was doing uh, these first couple of days is I was kind of noticing who was really like garbage for the whole game. Okay. And, man, Shamit, like, Shamit, not only did he miss shots, but he was, like, out of control all game. Yeah. 
it, it was really weird to me. Like, every shot he took was rushed, even when it was open. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I mean, obviously his turnover late in the game was, why was he even in the game? Uh, but he was just so awful every time he played. And then he checked in with two minutes left, and it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, Shaman has been a negative all game. And you throw him in with the final lineup? Yeah. It it's hard to win when a key guy plays poorly. And you can make right. the argument that Shamit really isn't a key guy. But he's a starter. Right. And you can't have any starters play garbage. They don't have to play great, but play garbage? No. I don't think he Not didn't start though. Game. He didn't start Thursday. But he he's often a starter. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, I think he didn't start wasn't he having an injury right before the COVID? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think that's why he didn't start. I I I feel like he's had something nagging like with injuries all year. Yeah, maybe. Uh but so it's hard to win when a guy plays as poorly as he did. Right. And one guy, that's bad. Like you can win and Clippers could have got a win. But when you have two guys who are utter trash cans and the second one, to me, is a lot more shocking, and that's Marcus Morris. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize. You didn't even him. notice him out there. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. He couldn't hit a three. He couldn't hit a mid-range shot. He couldn't make the right pass. He couldn't get open. He Play obviously defense. couldn't guard Anthony Davis. Right. Like, I understand, that, again, the Clippers are missing their main bench firepower. Yep. But these guys, these secondary guys cannot play this trash. No, they can't. So that that that's kind of what stood out the most to me. Like, obviously, these teams are evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, role guys cannot be complete, complete negatives. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything to add to that. I completely agree. Yeah, I just, I just really liked, like... And I've talked about this all year. The Lakers guys know what to do out there. Yeah, they do. Dwight knows. I'm in the paint. I'm clearing with my elbows. I'm trying to get putbacks. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the team. I'm trying to get us in the bonus so everybody else gets more free throws. Mm-hmm. JaVale knows what to do out there. Caruso knows what to do out there. Yeah. And the Clippers have a number of guys who either look like they don't know what they're doing or just being put in like shitty positions to not really be comfortable. And, and this is one thing. Um, back to what you were saying about the Lakers. Um, and in contrast to the Jazz, who don't have any roles, uh, uh, Vogel has always been a good role coach. All his teams, every single player, you know the role, you know what they're going to bring to the game every single night. I think that's something he stresses in the locker room. It must be. Because... He finds a way for everyone to be a clear, stay in their game, clearly in their game. I mean, even guys who aren't good in his in his uh, Indiana days would come in and do exactly what they're supposed to do every night. All right, you're not going to give me any points? Okay, I need rebounds and blocks from you, Hibbert. That's yes. it. Yes. And that's what the Lakers, the whole team does it. And it looks great when they do it right. I mean, when they're, you know... On point, it looks great against teams who don't do it, like 
you know, the Clippers and teams like the Jazz. Yeah. It definitely stands out. Um, my biggest thing, man. I know I hate on Kawhi a lot. I know. I know I do. But no player, not just Kawhi, but no player who has another all-star and maybe an equal on their team can hold the ball for 19 out of the 24 seconds on the shot clock. Nobody. That doesn't work. Unless you're... I, I would say, like, three players in the league can do that, and that's like Harden and Kyrie are probably one and two, and that's because they can break everyone in the league down off the dribble. Yes. Kawhi cannot do that. So him holding the ball for 19 seconds or 16 seconds per possession put everyone else in terrible spots. He put Shaman in a bad spot towards the end of the game. He put Paul George 35 feet from the basket with four seconds left on the game clock. With the best defender on the other team guarding him. I mean... He, he was imagine. stumbling a lot for some yeah. reason. Like, he's he lost his footing, like, four different times. Yeah, he did. There was one time when he pretty much, like, traveled, but they didn't call it because he, like, barely got rid of it. it it's, it's just not his game. Breaking people down off the dribble is not his game. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it not being your game. But you can't wait for you know the shot clock to be down and do it and then passes somebody quick and they have to hit a catch and shoot three when nobody on the team is a catch and yeah. shoot shooter there's nothing like you said there's nothing wrong with not being like a breakdown guy but there's something wrong to playing like a breakdown guy when you're not one exactly and you know he's someone who should be scoring in five seconds or less Kawhi, when you get the ball you need to take a shot in five seconds or give it up and that's okay, but it put the team in such a bad spot so often the other night, especially when you have the best defender on the other team guarding you the whole night. That's the other thing that's tough about it. It's different if you do that on a scrub, you know, and you say, okay, I could take the clock down because I know I'm better than this guy. You didn't do it against LeBron? What sense does that make? Yeah. And, um... So that was, that, I mean, I'm not saying that that changed the outcome of the game because it doesn't mean, if he gave the ball earlier, it doesn't mean anyone would have scored. But that's something that makes the offense stagnant and takes long on offense when you have a team with LeBron who, if you take a bad shot, they're scoring in six seconds. LeBron is getting down court and dunking within six seconds after you take a bad shot that you spent 21 seconds of your shot clock taking. Right. And that's when the other team, uh, they kill the tempo of the game. They control the tempo of the game because they let you take however long you want to take. And Anthony Davis is the fastest center in the league, probably. You have two of the fastest players in the league at their position, and you're taking three times as long as they do on offense. So the other team takes more shots, you know? Yeah. That's something that I think they're going to have to really figure out if they want to really challenge the Lakers. Honestly, like, I'm not as worried about it from that game because Kawhi was just awful. Yeah, he was. Like, that. that's what you're talking about is something he's had a problem with and has kind of gotten away with because mm-hmm. teams have kind of adjusted to him. Yeah. Uh, like, the Raptors did it really well. But Kawhi... 
Thursday was just awful. He didn't really he didn't even play good defense. No, he didn't. It, it, like LeBron was getting buckets on him. He got backdoored by Caruso at one point. Like <laughs> I'm like he's falling asleep on defense and all his all his jumper misses were short. They were and don't get me wrong, Kawhi can have a good game doing that. But when you're not having a good game, you have to adjust. Yes. Especially when the your the guy next to you is shooting ten for fifteen from the field. Yes. Just hit three threes in a row to put you on a run, and the first thing you do is hold the ball. And you can't be playing like trash and like, you know, sh- finally showing frustration. Like you're playing like garbage. Don't get mad at your teammates. Right. When they miss a lob, when you can't even find them for most of the shot clock. That's one thing that, the, in my opinion, the best players in the league, when they're not having a good game, they do something else to help the team win. When Kawhi's not having a good game, he makes sure the team loses. It's like the weirdest thing. Yeah. He doesn't do anything different. Yeah. When Lillard has a bad game, Lillard may have 10 assists and CJ will have 40. Happens all the time. When I, I said it before when we were talking about Kobe. He had a bad game. 17 rebounds. Kawhi has a bad game, and he does nothing. He just nothing keeps at having all. a bad game. And at least he used to be the top-tier defender. And the more I'm paying attention to his defense, it's starting to look like it less and less. Yeah, and the thing is, if he can't use muscle to defend you, he can't defend you. Yeah, or he can like get in there and rip the ball. Right. Yeah, he has a really short window of like lockdown defense. Yeah. And LeBron was really LeBron played better defense than I've seen him play that game than I've seen him play recently. Yeah, I, I want to save the Lakers towards the end or specifically LeBron and AD. Yeah. Uh but but man, Paul George had 30 points and 17 shots and it felt like he didn't shoot nearly enough. Right, and the last shot was bogus, basically. Right, of course. Again, Kawhi just putting him in a late-in-the-shot-clock spot. Right. And he did it. If you go back and watch a lot of PG's buckets, they are just like tough buckets with the possession messed up. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, they are. And imagine if he got to take some easy ones. There was only like, you know, that he had that nice dunk when he went uh baseline and he had um like a, another nice three that he got by himself but mo- you're right most of them were off breakdowns and especially when you're missing and they were missing their best breakdown scorer which is Lou I would say um and they I mean PG carried them with the breakdown plays for sure yeah it's funny uh you talked about like you you've talked before about like spreading shots for the clippers yeah. And, like, not just kind of going your turn, my turn. Yeah. Paul George comes out. He's kind of – he's running the show. Like, Kawhi's not – he wasn't playing that bad the first quarter. Right. Uh, and just foul trouble. Yeah, and PG's kind of rocking it. So, you you have an opportunity to play through PG at least for the half. Yeah. And Paul George takes one shot in the second quarter? One. One they didn't double him. <laughs> they weren't doing anything differently. They were just sitting there completely comfortable getting cooked. Yeah. Like, Paul George would get somebody, take him to school. 
Yeah. It was quick. Like, it was a complete mismatch, and Paul George did exactly what Kawhi can't do. He didn't play with it. He didn't take six – he didn't make six dribble moves and then force it into some some traffic. He just got open, and he got a bucket. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that the Lake, the Clippers will have to do against the Lakers because there's no two players that can guard both of them. Yeah. If LeBron is guarding one of them, the other one should have a mismatch. Or, you know, I, I would say that Morris Morris can guard Kawhi a little bit, but not, not much. You know, not more than just two or three plays. <laughs> I don't want him guarding him the whole quarter. Well, well, from Thursday, you would think Kyle Kuzma is the Kawhi stopper. <laughs> Right, but and, more people can guard Kawhi than can guard PG. Yeah, and that's that's what makes that. it tough. And they have to expose that on the Lakers. They have to. Yeah. In in the playoffs, I mean, they should have the other night, but in the future, they will have to if they want to win. So. And and one thing we talked about as the game was going on before we get into the Lakers, because mm-hmm. we do have a, other games to get into, but. Mm-hmm. Uh. Dude, like they were tr- Clippers were really awful at rebounding, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't like a oh you're missing you know Montrezl so that's all it is. Like you can't be that bad at rebounding and think oh once Montrezl gets back we'll be fine. You're right. You're right about that. Like guys just don't want to box out, but then they don't want to go for the ball. Like Anthony Davis is gonna feast. Yeah, and and you're allowing Dwight Howard to be more productive than Zubac, <laughs> right? All because Dwight, all because you're not committing to rebounding the ball, I, which I don't know why. And that's one thing that really hasn't wavered in Dwight's career, right? Is in rebound, he stopped blocking shots a while ago, but he didn't stop rebounding ever, really. right? Yeah, you're right about that. They do have to. Zubas didn't play that much, did he? It didn't no, feel like it. He, he played. It felt like a lot to me, just because he was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't like complete trash, and they—they're so bad at using him. I agree. Like they should be using him like the Lakers use Javale. Yeah. But I they, agree. but they early on they try to get him like a post touch. They try to force feed him pick and rolls. Like, if McGee's not catching a lob or a fancy pass, he's not touching the ball. Right. But for some reason, Zubach, they have to, like, force getting him involved. And then when he does some dumb shit, they all, like, you can see they all hate him. Yeah. And it's just this weird, like, negative energy going on. And he's, for some reason, like, Doc is always yelling at him. But yet they're, like, force playing him. Yeah. I I just don't get it. And Joachim gave some good minutes. It's pretty good. He didn't rebound, but he played some <laughs> no, good he defensive didn't. minutes. But Joachim can't be your answer to AD. No, definitely not. No, I just that that did not work, and it it's hard to imagine that working at all. One thing he does well on offense for them is he is a good ball mover. Yes, if he gets the ball, and he doesn't have anything. He's passing it, yes. and he makes good passes. He had that one fast break where he. Brought it up court and made a nice pass out to the three. Yeah, a little vintage Chicago days. Yeah, yeah. That's something he can do for them if they use him right for it. Because none of the other centers are good passers. Even Montrezl, I don't think he's a good passer. 
he makes some slick passes, but he doesn't make a lot of good passes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got for the Clippers. I, I just think I think they need Lou back for us to really see w- what they are. Yeah. Like Montrezl, that's like obviously they need him back, but we can kind of see what they are without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lou, their bench was just non-existent. Reggie Jackson played good though. I will say only that. in the first half. Yeah, only in the in the first half. It was, it was tail of diff- two different halves for him because he was. I thought he was atrocious in the second half. He was. But I thought he was playing for the Lakers at one point. He also got caught in that last second, uh, in a couple last second possessions too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. He didn't. He didn't step up in the second half at all. Might have been my Beverly, first time seeing him dunk. By the way. Really. He dunked on people on uh, the Thunder. Did he? Re- Sometimes. I just maybe I just forgot, but it's been, it's just, maybe it's just been a while. He he caught some bodies with the Thunder. Yeah, he turned the corner. I was like, I was, and then he rose up. I was like, oh, that surprised me. <laughs> I didn't think he could still dunk. I'll give him that. If it looked easy too. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's put it on some people before. Yeah, but what were you saying about Beverly? Uh, Beverly was. A little too hyper. Not too. I was gonna say he his impact was quiet in the game to me. And maybe that's just because there was no crowd. But I didn't feel like I didn't feel any Beverly intensity during the game. He had some nice moments. He had some big threes. Yeah, his two threes were pretty big. Yeah, he had some big threes. But as far as like, and maybe because he didn't play that much either. I mean, he didn't play like a. As much as he normally would play. Yeah. But um, I didn't feel, and I, also maybe just because the ball <laughs> was stopped. But I didn't feel a lot of Beverly intensity that I do sometimes watching the Clippers. Yeah. Like Beverly, like, elevates the game alone sometimes. I didn't get that from this game. It's weird. I, I thought he was, like, too hyper. Because he was, he was, like, flying around, but he Found couldn't. everybody. He really wasn't guarding that well. No, he wasn't. Uh, he just, yeah, he had like too much energy that the Clippers just couldn't match. And that's yeah, like Montrezl is perfect for that. Yeah, he is. Montrezl's a guy who just feeds off that. Yeah. So. Swinging from the rim every possession. Yes. Yeah, they do need that. So the, their biggest concern is just getting the roster back. Yes. I, I, would agree I think that. that's their first priority, and then they need to really look at how certain star players are playing. Mm-hmm. And just Kawhi, actually. Are you confident in the Lakers? <clears throat> After Thursday, I actually am more confident. Okay. And I've kind of been confident in the Lakers throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, even though, to me, they played pretty bad... Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of showed me that they're going to play to their strengths. Yeah. That's what I've liked about them all year is they've played to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Like, they're... Like, sometimes you have a mismatch with your star player. And it probably doesn't happen often because, you know, most teams have, like, a guy who's kind of the, the defender for that person. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers do such a good job. When when the other team has nobody that could guard AD, 
Yeah. The Lakers expose that all game long. Yeah, they do. And I think they've lost games because they've kind of forced that too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, to me, goes uh, goes well for the long run because AD's going to... I wouldn't be surprised if they're primarily playing through AD come playoff time. And if they lose games, that will be because of AD. I yes. Because it's his choice to kick it out. They have yes. shooters all over the place now. With waiters and JR now. So if... If they do force it to him, he has to be ready to kick it out for these guys that are knocked down. JR looks great, by the way. Yeah. As far as shooting, looks great. Yeah. Waiters is aggressive. Waiters fits pretty well. Yeah. He's one thing. Guys that will keep the keep um, shots going up when they don't have uh, playmakers in the game. Waiters. Yeah. Say, okay, I'll just go get a bucket. I have to. I, th- I thought a lot of the Lakers role guys played really well. Yeah, uh, Waiters good. had some key buckets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kuzma played really well on both ends, I thought. Yeah. Uh, if Kuzma can play like that, they are, to me, they're the heavy favorite. Yeah. If he can knock down shots every time he's open, and he can give you good defensive minutes on the other team's star player, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a good game in my eyes. He's another guy that's doing well with mismatches, too. Yeah. I thought KCP played well. Like, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he played well. He gave him good energy. He cut well. He played good D, too. Yeah, got some transition layups. Yeah. Uh, And I like that. I hope they continue to close games with Caruso. Because with Caruso, they have, like, a different defensive intensity, it seems like. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I thought I thought they would lose that without Bradley, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's always like when Caruso's out there with one of the other defensive guards, and then LeBron's, you know, locked in playing D. Yeah. Uh, and then Kuzma, from what I saw Thursday, could be locked in as well, which I was shocked by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then AD at the five. I mean, they're they're a really good defensive team. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and but it, I mean, Jr. Will, will get into his d- defensive bag later too, probably, eventually. Yeah, I think he's got to kind of warm up into it. Yeah, but got to build his way up with the minutes. He could play. His off-ball defense is is good. If it, there's like a mover, Jr. usually plays pretty good off-ball. Yeah, defense. and Jr. competes on defense. Yeah, he does. He's always like, you know, he's kind of a hack box with when he guards like good players, mm-hmm. uh, but. I like that he competes. Yeah. Okay. But the Lakers, uh, despite saying all that, despite AD being looking like their number one option, mm-hmm. they start and end with one guy. Of course. And that's LeBron James. Of course. What did you think of his performance Thursday? Uh, I think that... He was treating the game as a warm-up game, the whole game. And I think that when it came time to win, oh, let let me figure this out. But if he didn't have that, I think he would have been comfortable with the game because I think he was really trying to get other people involved. Yeah. I think he was trying to get his defense right, show that he's here to play defense. And he was really playing point guard that game, to me, more than he was being LeBron. Um. But I don't think he's going to do that all the time. I think that 
this is like for everyone to see that he's <laughs> that he is the point guard. And then after after this, yes. when it comes to playoff time, I think he's gonna turn it up like he says, and he's gonna be LeBron. That was probably for me. I thought that was probably his best trash game he's ever played, if yeah, that I makes agree. sense. I agree. Because every like he kind of looked like Kawhi when when trying to attack, mm-hmm. like he guys were just strapping him. He couldn't really separate. Uh, he he got the one like kind of breakout dunk, but that was kind of just bad defense. Uh, and he just, he looked stiff when he was trying to score every time. Yeah, he did. The uh, court looks small for him. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one that made me think that. Yeah. I Even agree. watching Giannis, I was like, you know, typical Giannis. He's going from one side of the basket to the other, dunking it. LeBron didn't have any space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. But uh, I, I, he's, what well, one thing he did, which... I've been begging for him to do more consistently. He set the tempo with energy. Mm-hmm. It, like, it can't start with Danny Green or JaVale. It's got to start with LeBron. Yeah. When it starts with LeBron, when LeBron is picking up guys and he's getting in guys' faces and he's contesting and rotating, everybody mm-hmm. else plays so much better. Yeah, I agree. And, like, LeBron is such a freak that if... If LeBron wasn't like a Hall of Fame player that he is, and he was just a defensive player, mm-hmm. he would wreak havoc. Yeah, I agree. Like if LeBron was what Kawhi was his first couple years, he would he would probably win Defensive Player every year. Yeah, because like he's just so big, so fat. Like he's built to cover everything. He's just built to be a perfect defender. Yeah, he is. He can, I mean, he's weight-wise strong enough to guard any position. Yes. He's fast enough to catch any Yes. And I got mad. I got mad in the second quarter because they came out of a timeout after having played poorly and the Clippers kind of came back on them. Mm -hmm. They came out with uh, Kuzma guarding Kawhi. I, Mm -hmm. I think maybe KCP was guarding Paul George. And LeBron was hiding on like Patrick Patterson. And I was like, here we go. Same old, like, you know, Kuzma's about to get torched or, or whoever's guarding PG is about to get torched. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing happened in the fourth quarter where the Lakers were playing well, but then the Clippers kind of cut it close. They come out of a timeout. You're in a key stretch of the game right now. Yeah. And LeBron gets in Kawhi's face and gets a stop. First play. Yeah. Like, ISO Island, LeBron moves his feet, gets a stop. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I need him to do every night. He can't, he definitely can't do it every night, but it would be But nice. he can do it every night because he doesn't have to guard Kawhi every night. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Sometimes I, I just don't think it's all that fun to him. Yeah. And I think he realizes, all right, we just need to win this. Yeah. We need to have fun right now. But, like, he was <laughs> locked in on the defensive end, even when he was guarding scrubs. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was hustling. He was rotating. He, that that's He's got to set that tempo now. Because mm-hmm. if the Lakers walk into the playoffs as probably the, the peak defensive team, yeah, they're coming out the West. 
Yeah. In my opinion, at least. I agree. Yeah. I, I think their team is built for built to come out the West right now. Yeah. And like and like I told you before, they don't feel they have plenty of players to replace Avery Bradley. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm t- mean, I didn't even notice that they were missing Avery Bradley. I didn't either because Avery Bradley hasn't done anything all season. Yeah, it's funny that they mentioned that the last time they played the Clippers, he had the six threes. Oh, okay. I was like, oh man, they're about to miss that. Now with Jr. and Waiters, yeah, as many threes as you want. Right. I really didn't even notice Danny Green playing either, by the way. Yeah, he didn't play that well. But it, it's weird that they can have a bunch of guys you don't notice and still play well because they have, I mean, Kuzma is rounding out their big three to me. Yeah. All right, moving on. <clears throat> What's the next game? Uh, the first one was Memphis. Well, I, I guess I, I don't really have much to say, but I did catch some of uh, Wizards' sons. DeAndre Ayton's starting to get pretty good, I will say. Yeah, he is. Uh, and and he was kind of making a quiet run as the before the season stopped. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I liked what I saw from him. Okay. But let's get into this Memphis Portland game. I I got nothing oh, on DC. That, no. I was gonna say that's all you got. I mean the DC's. You know, Hachimura is good, but he's playing like the number one guy right now, which he's not going to be, right. hopefully. But he Never looks good. Be, probably. But yeah. You know, Napier looks good as like a backup point guard. Mm-hmm. He's been a solid backup his whole career to me. Yeah, he's finally getting like consistent minutes. Right, because they don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. All right. But let's get into Memphis and Portland. Uh, okay. Where do you want to start? Which team? Which team? Let's start with Memphis. Okay. Um, Memphis. Just, I, I'm pretty quick with this. Uh, Memphis just always looks young. I don't care who they add to their team. I don't care how old their team gets. They they just look young all the time to me. They always look inexperienced. Yes, always. And uh, I would say their team is pretty experienced now. I think, I mean, Morant, Morant is really, I would say Grayson Allen and Tyus Jones are still unexperienced, even though they've been in the league for a while. They don't really, they haven't been on the court that much. Like their court minutes are low as a team, even though um, their guys have been in the league for a while. Um, And Morant, First half played like hot garbage. Second half played fantastic. But I just think he needs to be more under control if they're going to really take it there with him as their guy. Yes. I I don't think he is going to be there. I don't think he's – I don't want to say he's not good enough, but I don't think his playing style is the style to be a team's number one guy. For, I don't think it is, but um, I think he could definitely have another person, and they could be a good duo. But with the team now, it's just they're win or lose with him, and it's more likely for them to be losing with him if that's how they're going to play. Weird. It's weird because like, you're completely right that he's got to play under control, mm-hmm. but he's also got to be in attack mode 
all game. He does. And I thought in the first half, like, the the Blazers were doing a good job defending him. Mm-hmm. But he, like, helped them do a good job by not being that aggressive. Yeah, and I also think he doesn't take enough of the op- enough open shots. When he gets open, he doesn't take it. And then the team just backs off. Like, yeah. A lot of times they'll set a screen, he'll go, or like a pick and roll, and he'll do the pick and roll and get wide open, but doesn't take it and like just lets the play develop. Yeah. And then it, it makes him easier to guard. He also has no mid-range game. None. Like, to, for him to be as explosive as he is, and like you said, he gets open off the pick and roll almost every time. He has, because the shot is a set shot, really. He barely he jumps like two inches off the yeah. ground. Yeah, like how does he not have a floater? Thirty five inches off the ground for a dunk. It blows my mind that he doesn't have a floater. None at all. Like he should have been. He should have been a developing a floater like in in college. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess he's gotten by on his athleticism, but that's what happens when you're too big for the school, too. Right. Because you don't. Who can teach you anything? <laughs> You're already better than anyone who's ever went to the school. Right. So, but yeah. So, I want to kind of get into my problems with Memphis. Um, mm-hmm. My first issue is like, their second unit is is atrocious. <laughs> it's let me just let me just read you who I had to pull up the box score because I didn't want to miss any of the trash cans that got in the game. Okay. Um, so the, the sixth man for them is Melton. I don't even know his first name. Oh, he was, who started at the, at the, um, I thought he started. No. Oh, wow. Okay. He played a lot. Yeah. He always plays a lot though. Yeah. But go ahead. So Melton, uh, you know, I liked his energy. I, I'm probably my first time seeing him, honestly. He's, he's a pretty good open shooter too. Uh, That's it. he's okay. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be your sixth man, but he's an okay bench player. He reminds me a little bit of a, of like a Corey Joseph type, a little bit yes. with less energy though. Now Clark is a guy I like. Clark can't really use him right. Oh, Brandon Clark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't re- they don't really use him in any way. No. And he kind of thrives in spite of that, which I respect him for. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, you know, so you got two kind of pieces that are good players. They're not really, they're not going to carry your second unit. Uh, so you need some experience and some some high-quality play from the rest of your bench guys. Clark reminds me a little bit of, like, an Amari-type player. Because he has really great hops. I can see it. That, he has that same, like, relentless slash yes. when he gets the ball. Yeah, and if he's open, he can hit a jump shot. Yeah. He can shoot. And, um, Good free throw shooter, too. They don't really run any too. lob plays for him, which they should, because he has crazy hops. And he's a great rebounder when they let him do it. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Read the rest. So, after those two guys who are very young, very inexperienced. Clark's a rookie, right? I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I got next was Anthony Tolliver. Garbage. Grayson Allen. Hot garbage. And Josh Jackson. Hot steaming garbage. Tolliver was the seventh, I mean, the eighth man. I mean, he he didn't play. By minutes, he was like ninth, I guess. 
Oh, okay. Uh, still... But he he played in key portions of the game. He had, he had a big three. He did. One big three. But, like, him rotating on a Lillard pick and roll is a disaster to me. Lillard probably has been dogging him all last year <laughs> in practice. All his career. And, like, Josh Jackson's not even an NBA player. No, he's not. Like I've watched the NBA long enough, you know, you know a trash can when you see one. Yeah, and, and Josh Jackson is trash. Grayson Allen is like a more under control, not NBA player to me. Like he doesn't. Yeah, with with he's Allen, not aggressive, and he doesn't let it stand out. But they could find someone with with more talent than him that is better than him. Yeah, with Allen though, like I could see a progression there. For him yeah. to find a spot in the league, yeah, I, I can't even tell you what Josh Jackson is gonna look like in three years. <laughs> he's not a shooter. He's not gonna be wearing a jersey. I can tell you that. <laughs> he's not a shooter. He's like he forces drives, even though he's thin. He like can't bully through contact, even though he tries to all the time. I don't understand. He's like he has no IQ. He doesn't guard anybody. And they threw him out there multiple times. Yeah. They look like a college team to me. Because they didn't even sub. Like, they didn't go one in, like, a second unit. They just threw in some of those bench guys that I just named with their starters. Yeah. They did. And, And to me, and this is, like, because your bench guys are either random or garbage... Now I got Morant took seven three pointers. No, I don't want that. Right. Dylan Brooks took nine three pointers. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And then Jaron Jackson, who was hot the first couple shots, decided to pull fifteen of them. <laughs> he was seven for seven, right? Or no, maybe not seven for seven. No, no, no. He was like four for four. He was, first. I think he was like four for five at one point, and then he got pretty cold after that. Yeah. And he still hit a couple, but he was just jacking them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, watching the game, I don't want that, but they have to jack. Yeah, they do. And, and Valanciunas, I thought, should have gotten more clock. I mean, he was in OD foul trouble. Yeah, um, the whole league was in foul trouble. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave that for probably the next podcast. He was, and he was in bad foul trouble. Uh, but I just, like, I thought they should have let him foul out, or at least threw him out there, because he was, he was really helping him on the boards. Yeah, he was. He was getting them extra shots. He was getting, like, he was actually getting post feeds that he was turning into points. He looked like a v- veteran out there. Yes. He did. And I think I think I have one I have a I don't know if it's a hot take, but I think I have a perfect solution for the Memphis struggles. And what's that? At least this one move is a starting point. Oh, you didn't say oh Kyle Anderson started. Didn't and you? that's that was where I was going. He's gotta go. Just cut him? Cut him. Get rid of him. Bench him. Throw throw in uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's a bench guy who has looked good in practice. They're gonna have Winslow. That, Winslow is not who. That's that's like a more athletic version of Kyle Anderson. I don't want that. <laughs> Why is he a more athletic version? 
Because he well, he can't, and this is what they need desperately: floor spacing. They don't have any shooters. You're saying? Yeah, Jared Jackson's jacking 15 three pointers. Yeah. Dylan Brooks, dude. Dylan Brooks took 16 shots. I'm looking at. Remembering the game, I don't think one of them was good. I think like the very first one he took was. Yeah, I think he had like one off a pick. He pulled up, which was nice. He was kind of open. <laughs> Did you see that one? He. <laughs> The one-handed one that he left like a foot and a half short. <laughs> he took like a floater from the three-point line. <laughs> Dude, I stopped and rewinded just to see that again. I'm like, what? Oh, my What's God. Dude, but like that's the thing is Kyle Anderson is out there. He, Dude, I, he fucked up every possession they had. Yeah, that team is not the right team. Not at all. Maybe yeah. if you throw in... Maybe if... You could kind of start. I can't start Tolliver, but I would. I was saying like if they had a shooter to start, even if he wasn't good, I wouldn't mind Kyle Anderson coming off the bench. They had a shooter to start, like who? Like a. I mean, you know, obviously this would be too perfect, but like a Jay Crowder that they used to have. <laughs> Which I don't. I still don't understand why they traded. I'm but, starting to doubt a lot of teams that have gotten rid of Jay Crowder look like they need him back. Yeah, he must be. I mean, I'm sure he's not the greatest guy in the locker room. At least. He can't be that bad, though. No, he can't be bad enough to trade over and over again. Yeah. yeah. No, but like a shooter, even if he's not good, I'll throw. I'll take like a Jake Lehman. I don't even know if he's really a shooter yet. <laughs> yeah, I got you, though. But just you. somebody who, when they... Th- Throw him the ball in the three-point line. Teams have to guard him. Yeah. And Kyle Anderson screwed up so many possessions because he couldn't shoot. So he ended up having to ISO on guys. Right. Every time he touched the ball, he tried to, like, cross guys and, like, draw fouls. And I'm like, dude, this is wrong. This does not look good at all. (laughs) I agree. I agree with all of that. And I don't think it'll fix all the problems they got, but getting somebody to spread the floor, maybe Grayson Allen could develop into that. Mm-hmm. He's a little undersized, but I, I don't want their their third, second, third, and fourth best players to take, or their top three guys to take 33s between the three of them. Right. That's not their game. Right. I agree. So that's my thing with Memphis. I do think Jaron Jackson is 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 looking like a really good player. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he is too. I, I I really do think he has the chance to be a really um, versatile player for them. Yes. Even a wing player at some point. And I like career. that. I like that it's his second year and he's already uh, extended his range. And extended his whole game. Yes. Because I never would have thought he'd be on the, you know, lining up on the three-point line ever. Yeah. He also, bro, that uh, Euro step dunk he he did. Yeah. And he did it in, I remember in one of the scrimmages, and I was like, man, that's vicious. Yeah. But he hit that for a clutch bucket. Yeah. I was like, man, that's tough. Yeah. He looked good. What did you think of Portland, though? Man, we're already past an hour. Yeah. I, I really don't have anything 
to say about Portland. I mean, <clears throat> I'm ha- they they looked healthy. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, no Ariza because Ariza just opted out, right? Yeah. Um, Melo looked good, and they felt Ariza's absence. They did because they had to play Collins at the four like a lot more than normal because yes. normally he's like just an undersized five for them. But they had to play him and Nurkic, or him and Whiteside at the same time, which they normally don't do, because Melo kind of stretches the floor at the four. But um, I, it still looks pretty good. I liked Collins' energy when he was out there. I think everyone Nurkic looked really good. Yeah, he did. Nurkic took the game over for them. They would have lost without him, honestly. Yeah, him and Melo. Yeah, I, I just think they got a lot of options now with their rotations. Mm-hmm. So as far as like, there's no excuse for for us to come on the podcast in a couple weeks and be like, "Yo, why does Damian Lillard get 45 and nobody else could get five points?" Yeah, they they gotta be scoring now, definitely. So it's we're 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 gonna be looking at Portland. They they had this is their best chance to make us a, a run. And I think Melo benefited a lot from the break because. Like, the last summer, he really didn't have a, um, like, he didn't know he was going to be on a team. Yeah. So, this break, he knew he was coming into a playoff team. You know, Well, not a playoff team, but a, you know, season. He's coming into a team. So, I think he had time to work differently because he looked like he was in great shape to me. Yeah. I mean, shots he was hitting, the rebounds he was getting, you know, he looks good. Yeah. And Dame didn't really play well, but it seemed like he had some kind of injury or something because he was on the bike a lot, and they kept saying he was injured. Yeah, he, he I thought he took a while to warm up. I, I didn't think he played, like, bad. Yeah. He just couldn't get his deep threes to go, and he, he I thought he took a, a few too many of them. Mm-hmm. CJ played great. I mean, right. I, I think they played their game. I don't really have anything to say about yeah, that. Yeah, they, they can't be playing defense like the Pelicans, though. I agree with That's that. my thing, like... Again, they were way better than Memphis, but Memphis like could have easily took that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they almost did overtime. Yeah, I don't know what happened in the second half, but there was a stretch where, like, prior to Nurkic really kind of turning up in the fourth, mm-hmm. that whole second half, man, they looked terrible. Yeah, couldn't get a couldn't get any stops. Awful turnovers. Like they they need to. Someone has to step up as a guard defender for them. Yes. And I think sometimes... Just a wing defender in general. Yeah, a wing defender or or point guard because sometimes if Lillard isn't having a good game and he can't outplay the other point guard, they have a tough time because then no one's guarding him. You know, yeah. if the other point guard can get 30 and Lillard isn't having 30 or can't get at least in the 20s, then they're at a disadvantage because Lillard isn't going to stop him from getting dirty. And um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Trent Jr. comes in and he plays great, but he doesn't have like a – he doesn't play like any energy – with any energy on defense that like locks anybody up. Like he, yeah. looks, he tries hard, but he doesn't lock anyone up on defense. So he's not really a 3 and D guy. He's just a three and, you know, other good offense guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think they need a, 
And that's where Ariza with the wing defense, missing him is big. But I thought Simons was going to be that guy to come in. He's really long. Yeah. And play Surprised he didn't knee. play. I, I think his body is fit to guard someone like Morant. They're built almost the same. Yeah. I, I will say not only did they feel Ariza's absence by the fact that they didn't have any, like, perimeter defenders, mm-hmm. but they also felt his absence because Hizonia had to play a lot. And like he, he had actually played well. Yeah, but that's that's a dangerous game there. It is because you don't want to trust Hizonia for big minutes in the playoffs. Right, I agree with that. So we'll see. All right, uh, last game. Uh, yeah, Boston, Milwaukee. I mean, I saw some of the Rockets game. Oh yeah, two games. Two games. Uh, but I don't have too much to say on the last one. Yeah, that wasn't a surprise. There was no surprise. Actually. Yeah, that that's uh, one of those shootouts. I told you it was coming. <laughs> of course, with those two teams. <laughs> yeah. I I got a hot take. Dallas is the best shooting team in the league. Let's talk about let's talk about that game then, and then we could close it out with uh, Boston Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, I, I think Dallas best is the best shooting, shooting team, team in the league. In the league. Obviously, outside the Warriors because they're not in the league right now. They were hot yesterday. I'll give it to you. But who on their team can't hit a three? I ain't trusting Finney Smith to hit a three. I don't care. He shot well though. Okay, I've seen him. I've seen him shoot well before, but I don't don't believe in it. Boban comes in and hits threes. (laughs) Everyone on there can hit threes. It's crazy, and I'm not saying they're like they have the most knockdown shooters. But they have the most players that can hit a consistent three than any yeah. other team in the league. For me, it's two things for them because their bench is like better than it looks. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'm not really concerned with like depth for them. Right. And like you said, they they can score with the best of them. I I agree with that. Yeah. I don't know if they shoot the best, but they definitely could put up crazy amounts of points. But Porzingis needs to look like what he looked like yesterday. Yes. And Hardaway Jr. has to be aggressive. I, I love when Porzingis is aggressive. When he takes shots. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with Porzingis missing shots because he's the, he's the best. Uh, he's the closest thing to a rebound they have, too. Yeah. Because if he misses a shot, okay, you're going to beat him to the rebound? Probably not. Right. It, um, so I'm cool with him missing shots. And I... Definitely agree. Hardaway has to be aggressive, and he's someone that he's a volume shooter, and he doesn't take a lot of like really bad shots. Sometimes he thinks he's hotter than he is and takes a heat. Check. Yeah, he's also he really he has no handle. My no, God! Doesn't. But if you get him open, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna take good shots. He also could heat up like pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to Burke, too, by the way. Yeah, man. He was balling. On fire. He was trying to take Seth's job. <laughs> he, no, he took JJ's job. Brea. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Brea may never come back now after this year. Yeah. I mean. They, look, they looked good. Dallas looks good. Yeah, and Houston looked about what I expected. I have nothing to say about Houston at all. The same problems. Same kind of game. Go back like 10 episodes ago and listen to what we said about Houston and any other episode, basically. Nothing has changed, and nothing will change. I will say, 
Doncic got to stop complaining, dude. Yeah, he does. He's he's like he's his third, second, third year, and he's compa- complaining like he's LeBron out there. Yeah, he he's starting to get the diva treatment. Yeah, like every he and he like does that Harden thing a lot, where he like forces the refs to make a decision mm-hmm. rather than just try to play. Mm-hmm. And that, that shit is kind of annoying. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if these teams had a series, it, it would be messy. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right, uh, Milwaukee and Boston. Let's get that out out the way. Um. Well, I was gonna come on here and say Kawhi wins the uh, sh- tra- most trash performance by a star player. <laughs> But Jason Tatum had, you know, he had other thoughts. He played absolutely garbage. He, like he was, that was peak garbage for him. Yeah. I don't know if he could play worse, honestly. He just didn't look like he belonged in the NBA that day. And the thing is, you could see, like, he would make one move where you see, oh yeah, that's old Tatum, he's going to get this. Then he, the shot would be a terrible shot. He wouldn't get a good shot off of it. Yeah. It was it was really bizarre. He he was just out of it, man. He every layup he tried to take was like too smooth for the like the kind of crowd he's in. Like if you're going through Brook Lopez, why are you trying to finesse with your left? Right. Like he just he he was missing layups like badly. Yeah. He even had like a putback that he just missed, and there was like he was he got it, he was open, he just rushed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. All his similar to Kawhi, most of his shots were short. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he just looked bad, man. And it it just he highlighted it with that awful reach he tried to do. Uh, late in the game, was he? I think he was guarding Giannis. Oh yeah, yeah. And he just reached, and I think Giannis got an and one off of that. Yeah. Yeah, because because like Smart took the still. charge, but it was a block because he was late. Yeah. He just like he, like in the middle of playing defense, he just like dove for a steal. On the longest player to ever play. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a key portion of the game. You just came back. You have a chance to steal this this one, and he's just yeah, man. He was bad in every way. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like how uh, Hayward looked in the offense. I think he was taking nice in the offense. Shots. He's very underrated as a playmaker. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, but they definitely were missing Kemba at the end of that game. Full-time Kemba, yes. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, where they really needed his leadership, needed his clutch game, they didn't have it. And it was just because, you know, injury minutes, I get it. And I think that they would have pulled the game out had he been in there. Just because I think Kimba's probably top three clutch guards, top five at least. Top five at worst, yeah. And um, I think not having him out there, especially with Tatum not playing well, they could have won the game with Tatum playing trash and Kimba being out there. That's what it looked like to me. <clears throat> they were just missing a, just a little something. I mean, but, um, it was like it was little things for Boston. I thought, like, I thought Jalen Brown took a little while to warm up. Yeah, uh, that happens often, though. Yeah, but it was like little, like 
Tice was missing shots that he could make. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chippies. Yeah. And, and I Free just... Throws. It. Yeah, but like they got good. Marcus Smart carried them. He did. I mean, he was incredible yesterday. <laughs> On both. Ends. I mean, dude, he was hitting transition threes. He was curling up into threes. He like played with somebody and then rose up in their eye and hit a three. I I remember a funny story in his draft. Um. What draft was that? I want to say it was like... 20... 2014. 14. In, in his draft, I remember uh, I had a conversation with someone. Um, I don't remember who it was, but I asked them who they thought would be have the biggest impact to their team right away. They were like, uh, you know, probably uh, Jabari Parker. You know, at, at that time, in college, Parker was nice, but... I was like, eh, nah, you know, I, I actually think it might be Marcus Smart. And they were like, why do you think that? He's not even, you know, not even a guard. I'm like, this dude's energy is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy all the time. Yes. I, I said, it, I think he's going to come in no matter what position he's going to play. He's going to be the strongest person on the court. And he's just a beast. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And trust me, when I said that, I had so much doubt in my mind. I think I, I was just trying to say a hot take because I was a uh, Wiggins hater at the time. Rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. <laughs> and smart man, he he proved me right, whether I believed he would or not. And he just comes in. I, I think he is the most valuable player on that team. Yes. He may not be the best, I and mean, he's far from the best, but he's the most valuable player. When in this off season. When they were talking about possibly losing him, you remember we talked about this. I said the Celtics will be done if they lose him. Yes. It's over. Just blow the team up if you lose Smart. And he, they gave him that bag, though, and he looks great. He's the. He, there's no question in my mind he's the leader of that team. Yeah. He's the emotional leader of that team. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I've, I've talked about this before. When he's... Like, his shot selection is bad, but you still have to play him. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how many threes he jacks, and there's times when he'd be acting like Clay Thompson. <laughs> but he plays D just as well, if not better than Clay Thompson. I agree. Dude, like, if, I watched the whole game, and I know I was trying to, like, notice specific moments. Dude, mm-hmm. g- big men cannot back him down. Nope. He could box big men out. Mm-hmm. Guys have a hard time getting past him, guards or bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a much better than you think playmaker. Mm-hmm. I, I would say he might be their best playmaker, honestly. Yeah, I would think. Just, just as far that. as all around, just getting other guys involved. Like, he's yeah. really good at feeding bigs. Mm-hmm. He's really good at finding like openings in the defense. Uh and he's again, he takes bad shots, but he's got a versatile package as an offensive player. Yeah. Cuz he he really can do everything. Mhm. And he was just incredible yesterday, man. He every he would get a steal and just take it coast to coast and get an and one. Uh like 
guys were trying to force buckets on him, and he was just taking the ball. Yeah, he was. He was strapping it. And, I mean, in a regular game, well, I the challenge helped, but he might have got away with that charge, too, by the way. Yeah. With the um, block. Yeah, yeah. In a real game, he might have, you know, regular season, he might have got that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, he was he's a beast. He's all over the court. And offensively, he's really underrated, I think. Um, he's one of those few guys who you could put on any team and he would fit. Yeah. He'd figure it out for sure. Yeah. Um, that's all I really have on the Celtics. Anything on Milwaukee? Uh, no. <laughs> Not really. They looked about the same. Yeah, I, I didn't see any difference really with them. Um, they didn't have Bledsoe, but I didn't really see. I mean, you know, uh, Chris Middleton I, I recently got a uh, very high ranking of his uh, status in the league. Uh huh. And when we initially talked about it, I thought it was just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not really from yesterday's game specifically. I just kind of like thought more about it and kind of noticed what Milwaukee has done the last couple years. Yeah. And I got to say, like, I still don't agree that he's the 10th best player. But it's hard for me to, like, disregard that ranking for him. They ranked him 10th he's best player 10th, in the league? 10th. That's crazy. <laughs> but you got to think, Milwaukee has been the clear-cut best team in the East the last two years. I mean, they didn't come out of the East, but they were the best team for the last two years. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Middleton has been a huge part of that. I mean, yeah, he, he he's on the verge of a 50-40-90 year. Mm-hmm. And if you watch him play, he's got he's the complete package as an offensive player. Yeah, as far as the score. Yeah, yeah he's a good, great shooter. Uh, he's got deep range. Doesn't have to hug up to the line. He's a great pick and roll player. I attribute a lot of that to Greek Freak, though, because if that's fair, usually when he drives, he attracts four out of the five players on the other team, and you get easy easy shots. That's the fair. Problem is, I mean, think about everyone on the team is shooting better than they've ever shot. Lopez is like a knockdown shooter. Robin Lopez hit two threes yeah. yesterday, and um, I I think I think Middleton is good, but tenth. I I understand the fifty forty ninety, but like I said, I attribute that to Greek Freak. I'm only giving it to him because of how great Milwaukee's been. I I get that, yeah. Because if you I, noticed yesterday, they've posted him up a lot. Yeah, like a huge portion of their offense is getting Middleton a mismatch, mm-hmm. and that like they're one of the few teams. Giannis comes out the game and they can play through Middleton and not miss a beat. Yeah, they can. a lot of the teams with star players can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I I think the other thing they can do is Middleton can switch wings. And Greek Freak can stay down low, and they don't like they can change their offense that way, where Greek Freak is more off the ball, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt them because Middleton can still take shots, good or bad, and Greek Freak still has a chance to get rebounds. 
opposed to you know Greek Freak bringing it up and ISO and all that, you know. Yeah. They're very. They can be versatile that way because Middleton is such a good wing player. Yeah, Milwaukee. It's gonna come down to the same thing for Milwaukee. Like is, is <laughs> yes, and is Greek Freak gonna be able to play to his game? The fact, dude, at the end of the game, they were they actually ran a play where he screens, rolls to the basket, seals a guy, and then gets the ball. Yeah, that's my. You remember how trash he looked in the All Star game when he was trying to just like ISO guys. Yeah, like he's not a he's not a get the ball up top and let him break his man down. Right. He should be posting up every other possession. Yeah. He doesn't even need a post game to do that. Right. Yeah. I loved it, man. That was like a perfect game winning play for me. Like you play, you you get you have a play for your star player's strengths, and he gets a deep seal on a smaller guy. Like I'll take that ninety nine out of a hundred times. Yep. I I and I said it before, man. The best acquisition of 2018 was Budenholzer for the Bucks. He changed he changed all of their offense and he made them a whole another team, a whole another animal than they were 3 years ago. They look so different and the way they play, they they found like the perfect way to play for them, I think. I don't think they could play better some nights for them. Like I most teams I could think of something you know, I may nitpick her a little bit, but I can think of something that they could do better. But the Bucks are probably the most consistent teams where I think they play the most perfect games. Yeah. And Divincenzo uh, starting is was seamless for me. Yeah, it was. And it's oh my dude, I know they're not gonna do that, but if they could just forget Bledsoe and just keep the rotation the way they had it yesterday. <laughs> They're not gonna win without Bledsoe. There's no way. They're not gonna win with Bledsoe. <laughs> I think they have a better chance to win without him. They, I think they need <coughs> Bledsoe's defense, if anything. We'll agree to disagree on that. <laughs> I think they're gonna have a hard time against a healthy Kimba without Bledsoe. I think Kimba healthy. George Hill is perfectly fine to me. And DiVincenzo is big enough to where he's not going to stop Kemba, but he I don't mind George him guarding him. He didn't start. I know, but that's what I'm saying. DiVincenzo, I don't mind starting on Kemba, but George Hill could, will probably play more minutes than him. Yeah, yeah, he will. We'll, we'll see what happens. They may, uh, they may do that, actually. I mean, I don't know what the regulations are with the COVID. I don't know how long... Um, Bledsoe has to sit out or, you know. It just, it seems to me like everybody on the Bucks knows what they're doing and Bledsoe's the one guy who seems lost out there. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Sorry. Maybe. But we'll see. And that, to me, that's hurt them the last two playoff years. Is it Because you see the last two years... They, they're running through the playoffs, and all of a sudden, it's like a screeching halt. And they get quick four games in a row, and they're out of there. Last year, if they had made their free throws, they would have won every game. 
if they had made just a little bit of the free throws. Bledsoe included, though. Bledsoe missed like 11 free throws in the last game last year. And yeah, because he's taking trash shots all game and doing dumb shit all game. Yeah, I know. He doesn't know what's going just, on. It's just it's bizarre to me that if they – how many free throws both of them missed. They're two yeah. most aggressive scorers. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't call Middleton aggressive, but he's probably their best scorer. But the other two scorers who go to the basket miss every free throw. And they're not going to beat anybody like that. Yeah. No one, especially the Raptors. But they won't beat the 76ers like that. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the games because these these two game two days have been some of the most uh, exciting games I've seen. Yeah. In a year. And now, like now that you don't have the the bottom teams, like all games are evenly matched. Yeah. And it's just so much better. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have? Any uh, general things did, about the... Did you see, uh, apparently, there's a rumor that uh, Miami's not going to give Adebayo an uh, extension or sign him to a long-term deal? Is there a reason? I I didn't see it, but that's a that would be a trash decision if they let him go. Yeah, I agree. If you really think about it, Adebayo is what the like the modern center is going to look like, if not already looks like. Yeah. Because he can literally do everything. Right. I mean, versatility is like, that's where every position has progressed to, it seems like. It wins, versatility wins championships right, right now. And Adebayo, Warriors. I mean, he can play in any system, any way. Yep. He could defend anybody. He could probably defend anybody, honestly. Especially with uh how they're how that team is built. They have a lot of guys who excel in a versatile kind of offense, you know. Yeah. Um they got a lot of guys that play This is third play. year. Yeah. Like Adebayo went from a scrub who only caught lobs from D Wade to a, oh, you know, this guy's a pretty good center, but he just, like, I don't really see anything that impresses me, to, is this guy the best center in the game? And I, I don't think he is yet, but I would I would not be surprised if, if he's the best center in the league within the next two years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... What else? What else we got? Anything else? Um, uh, I think that's it. All right. Covered all the games. Uh, uh what'd you think of the uh, you know, most of them uh, kneeling during the anthem? Uh, I thought I I liked it. I thought it showed a lot of unity in the team. I mean, in the in the league. Um, I thought it was. You know, I I'm not I'm not the kind of guy who like <laughs> I don't really call that kind of stuff powerful. Like I I hear that word thrown thrown yeah, around a yeah. lot. I don't really consider it powerful, but I think it's just a symbol of unity among the players and um I think that's 
the biggest source of power is the unity in the team. So I think that um, the action isn't powerful, but the unity of all of them doing it makes it powerful to me. Um, I, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I, I was proud of the league for uh, being strong and uh, being bold. Yeah, I, I hope they stick like I, I must obviously they most likely will. But like if they stick with it, the whole uh, the whole bubble time, the whole like two, three months, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it'll be it'll be good in the way that like you keep attention to it. Because, like, everybody's talking about you can't lose momentum right now. Yeah. And I think the NBA, you know, having as many eyes on it as it will, is good for them to continuously push for the attention to that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, And to me, the players who do not, it just shows a lack of unity with your team. That's all. It, it, I don't... I'm not offended, you know, as a black person, I'm not offended at people who don't kneel or don't wear the shirt or whatever. It means nothing to me yeah. when they do that. But to do it when your team is in on it and you're not, that's that to me speaks more on the player than it does uh, the, like the actual the decision of what they're doing. Right. Yeah. It's different if like, you know, if even if it just wasn't one person, it would be different. But for, you know, you be the single guy, it's 14 guys on the team, 13 of them, and the coaching staff are kneeling and you're not. To me, that, that just shows, like, you are not on the same page as the team. Because I'm sure not everyone there is in, uh, you know, accordance with Black Lives Matter. Right. I'm sure. I mean, There's Michael no Porter Jr. doesn't even believe in COVID. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and some of these guys, you know, aren't even from America. So I, I'm, I don't expect everyone to feel the same way about it. But you should feel the same way about your teammates. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. So. Um, I like the, the stuff on the jerseys, too. I do, too. Uh, I, I didn't think I would like it. It is a little weird. Like, like I had no clue who uh, Melton was. So when I until they said his name, I had I was like, who is that? Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's good that the commentators are nice with the names. Yeah. Too, though. Facts. They're quick with the names, and um, that was that was another thing I missed, honestly, uh, because I, it was like in the second quarter, but. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson just, like, talking about random shit. Yeah, I missed that, too. It's so funny. I was worried that we weren't going to get the same guys because the scrimmages were just all random. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, you know, the scrimmages are all the local guys. Are we just going to have local people? But I'm glad that, you know, it's back to the real ESPN people, Jalen at halftime and, you know, yeah, the inside of the NBA guys. Yep. <clears throat> That's all I got. Oh, shout out to San Antonio for getting the win. It's yeah. like like it seems like they're kind of easing back into it, but all these games are so important now. Shout out to uh De'Aaron Fox, 39. Yeah, I I didn't even like I didn't see the highlights or anything, but me either. 
yeah, if hopefully he's turning up. He'll be the only one on the team <laughs> turning up. He's basically the only one playing. I'm not surprised. Yeah, they had the they pra- practically had a whole outbreak over there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the Spurs. I I saw Spurs highlights though, but they didn't show any Sacramento highlights in what I was watching. The Spurs look pretty good. They look about the same too. Lonnie Walker is, you know, coming into his own. It looks like. Yeah, um, th- that's. I think that can kind of, if if there's a way they make a a playoff run, it's got to be some of their younger guys, like not turn up but develop more, yeah, progress to to a certain extent. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna do it this year though. No, no, no. I, but it's just like hypothetically, if you could see a way for them to make a run. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. They um missing they're missing, you know, three key guys. Forbes, Patty, and Lyles are out for them. Mm, For Forbes is a big loss for them. Yeah, and Patty. I mean Yeah. I don't know who their guard is off the bench now without him. Bellinelli definitely isn't hey, Bellinelli's still hammer. still filling it up, I'm sure. Of course. I think he had three threes. I'm, I imagine none of them are open. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't remember Bellinelli's. I don't remember the last time I've seen a guy make crazier threes as consistently as he does. I would agree with that. Yeah, the Nuggets are—they're uh, missing um, their whole starting backcourt. Yeah, uh, Murray. and they're one of the few teams who could survive missing that. I know Murray, Harris, and Barton. And, that's I a mean, that's a lot. It is. They're they're gonna they're definitely. I don't know how much how long those guys are gonna be out. I saw uh, Murray's got a hamstring. Yeah. But like, right. did he just pull it, or is like, what is the problem there? I didn't see, but I saw Barton and Harris like getting worked out by the trainers, like yeah, yeah, you know, doing easy stuff, squats and stuff like that. So. They must be close. I didn't see Murray, though. He may not be close. Jokic pump fakes. Too funny. They, um, I mean, that's like 70 points a game you're missing just with them three. Yeah. But again, because there's a lot of depth and they've, like, they've trusted their depth even when they had those guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, like... I, I don't know how effective this would be, but, like, Tory Craig could contribute slightly more than he has. Mm-hmm. I think some, like, Grant, I have no doubt, will contribute more. Yeah. And, I mean, they got guys that they just don't play, like Bowl and Porter. Yeah, yeah. Porter started today. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying before, it, Porter coming in, he's, you know, he'll contribute just with minutes. Is all, all he needs to contribute. Doesn't need to anything special to make him happy or anything. All right. I got a gym. Um, this has been my song of the summer for, uh, well, this month for July. This is uh, Lockdown by Coffee.
our state, no no vacancy. Last time see up on FaceTime, chatting up the place, boating on my relationship. Me, I go put you on lockdown. I put your body on lockdown. Mm, you got me on lock now. You got my person on lock. Oh, if you love me, you should let me. You should let me. You should let me know. And if you don't know, better feel let me. Better feel let me. I better you let me go. Pulling up, pulling up, pulling up. Nobody deal with the bugger and talking. But nothing now, we are chilling at apartments. Hope you don't mind me asking, where will we go? When the quarantine thing done and everybody touch road. Travel. We go hope, Ali. Say you hope in your love, and not just no tally. Make my heart full of some love you totally. Do my own thing, I'm in no trouble, nobody. I'm watching out for the party, yo. And they didn't near, but them, them, I watch me now. Swing on me, no miss like Pacquiao. What you feeling for hot coffee, yo? Watching out. Lockdown by coffee. Um, the Nuggets are another team that, with the other stuff on their jerseys, is hard to <laughs> hard to know who's who now with yeah. so many people out. They got a lot of guys who look similar. Yeah, they did. I will say, uh, getting my first glimpse of Slim Jokic, I really like what I'm seeing. Yeah, me too. Because he's playing exactly the same way he was, just more energy. Yeah, a little bit faster. Yeah. Troy Daniels was a good pickup for them, too, by the way. Yeah, especially missing all those guys. Yeah, I still don't like them trading um, Malik Beasley, but... Mm, it's not like I wouldn't... It's not like I would, you know... They probably wouldn't notice if they were healthy. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, in light of the recent... Uh, versus battle. Um, I'm gonna play uh, some DMX on our way out of here. You got anything else to add? Uh, no, we'll be back soon uh, to cover music and uh, you know more games come moving forward. Yeah. Since there's gonna be a lot of games, we're gonna be you know obviously a lot more consistent. Yeah. Yeah, we'll catch up on. <laughs> catch up on music next next podcast yeah it's been a couple weeks but there hasn't been that many like big releases that we missed 
Right. If anything, we're we're missing more deluxe stuff than actual projects. Which has been kind of crazy, but yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Until next time. This is a uh, BMX. Shit, I be talking about yeah. half rapping ass I motherfuckers. Guess. You think it's a game? You think it's a fucking game? Come on! Make you lose your tooth from far away one time. Boom.